You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast. So he was really concerned because his dog kept getting out. And uh, Mrs. Smith came over one day and said, if your dog comes in my yard one more time, I'm going to call animal control and the police department and the fire department and the FBI. And So he really worked hard at, at locking the gate and make sure the dog was secure because next door, Mrs. Smith had Fluffy. Fluffy was her pet rabbit. And uh, one day he comes home from work. The kids had opened the gate. His dog is nowhere to be found. So he calls to his dog and his dog comes running with Fluffy in his mouth, covered in dirt lifeless. So he thought, the FBI is going to be here any moment. So he takes Fluffy in the house, washes Fluffy in the sink, gets the blow dryer and fluffs up Fluffy, and sets Fluffy on Mrs. Smith's porch with a smile, gets his ears out like that, rings the bell, and runs. And Mrs. Smith comes out and lets out a blood-curdling scream. So he runs over to her house and says, Oh, what's the matter? As though he doesn't know. And she said, Fluffy died yesterday. And I buried him in the backyard. He's come back to haunt me. (laughs) Well, that has nothing to do with the sermon. I just... Went to sleep thinking of that story. I woke up thinking of that story. And as I drove in this morning, I was thinking of the story. Uh, But it does kind of tie in with hope. Because it's easy to lose our hope. And if we're talking about life, last week we talked about love. We, We talked about how God wants us to live in the truth. And we made it real clear that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. John chapter 10. And Jesus says, I come to give you life more abundant. I think there's two things that the devil loves to steal from us. And let me tell you what they are. Joy and hope. Joy is what allows your your, your soul to be buoyant. And hope is no matter what's happening to you now, there is a great future ahead because God is still God. Hope is never tied to what's happening now, or it can't be hope. Uh, remember Jeremiah 29 11. It's a great verse and it's become our family's verse. It's the very first scripture that I brought to this church my very first Sunday that God had a hope for us and a future for us. And unbeknownst to a lot of people in the congregation at that moment, um, we, we had a church that had $128 in the bank. That was real promising. And, and remember, I, I came here, and the Challenger disaster had taken place, and people were leaving here, and a lot of the congregants were leaving. And we had two loans, two, two church loans, and $128 in the bank. If anybody knows about big finance, that's not big finance. That's, that's a hopeless kind of situation. And the roof leaked, and there was termites, and it was great. And uh, they said, hey, we want, we want you to go to take a church. By the way, it's, it's in the red. 
and it's going to be redder by next week. And I said, cool, what a great thing to have a challenge. And our first verse was, God has plans for us. Plans for what? Welfare and to give you a hope and a future. And a lot of people use this verse. Actually, not only is it our family's verse, it's become my son's verse and his family. This is their verse. And I want you to understand that when this was used, many of you have heard me talk about this before, and it bears repeating, that the prophet Jeremiah is prophesying to Judah in the middle of 70 years of Babylonian captivity. It's one thing to say, you got hope in the future when you, when, when, when you get a new job or you get a promotion or you're actually going to graduate from high school or graduate from college or you're getting accepted into that university. I mean, it's a really great thing to say, you got to hope when everything's coming up roses, but these people are in captivity for 70 years. And the Lord speaks through the prophet Jeremiah into their life and says, don't look at captivity. Don't look at prognosis. Don't look at what you are being told by people. Don't even look at people. You look to the Lord because our hope is found only in Him. So, if we need hope to cope, I want to remind you of a couple of things that you've probably heard me say before. Optimism is positive thinking. I'm just going to think positive now. Everything's fine. Huh? The tires are off the, the, the front of the car. The engine is smoking. You can't go anywhere, but you're just, I'm a positive. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. You can't even move. There's no wheels on the car. You can have all the positive thinking you want. You're not moving until you actually jack the car up and put wheels and tires on it. Come on. But let me tell you about this. Hope is passionate trusting. Optimism is positive thinking. Hope is passionate trusting. Hope is that I believe that God can do what God says he can do. Optimism is, I will take care of the situation. I'll find somebody who can help me. Hope says, I know that my hope is in God and God alone. Optimism can actually deny reality. But hope is never a denial. It is in the midst of reality that God is going to be okay. Hope says it's bad, but I believe that God can see us through. So the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and the Lord comes to give us life and life to the fullest. And God's word tells us that there is hope. Hope is the glimmer of light when the world has gone dark. It's that reason to get up in the morning when you'd rather hide from reality. Hope is what we all need to survive. And there's only one who really can offer us hope that will allow our lives to be all that they're meant to be, and that is the Lord himself. Isaiah 40, 31. Let's read it with our best 958 voice. Okay, here we go. But those who will renew their strength, they will, they will run and, and they will not, ah, yeah, and not faint. So where's the hope? Where's the hope? No, come on. The, the, hope, is in the, the, the hope is in the stock market. The hope is in the economy. The hope is in the government. The hope is in the weather. You know, the hope is in your ship coming in, whatever that means for you. And if you really want a challenge in your life, here's the challenge. I will put my hope no place else but in the Lord. I'm going to hope in my kids because they're, they're just amazing and brilliant. Hope that works for you. 
See, our, our hope has got to be not even in ourselves, but in the Lord. And before I go on, I want to just remind you, you have a choice whether or not to be hopeful. No one else can determine whether or not you're going to be hopeful with your life. Psalm 48, 14, it reminds me of the song uh, that, that we sang this morning, Through it all, through it all, it is well with my soul. For this God is our God forever and ever, and he will be our guide to the end. Have you noticed that God never explains himself? I ask him all the time, Lord, how come you did that? And he tells me nothing. I, I actually did some research this week on how many times God fully, fully, fully explained himself in the scriptures, and I could find it was very seldom. Because if God were to unfold all his rationale behind the events in life, it would not make sense to us anyway. We therefore are confronted with the basic tenet of Christianity. Those who follow God must live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Because life at times is an utter mystery. Much of what happens in life is beyond us. And I think if God told us what he plans on doing over the next 10 years of time, your brain would short circuit. Every fuse and breaker would go off. If I ever knew the things that, that were going to happen to me in my life, that God told me that when I was 19 years of age or 29 years of age, I, I don't know if I would have trusted him. There are things that happen in our life that God doesn't tell us about, and that's why it's called hope. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness because God, God never fully explains himself. And then if you want to read what Paul says... He says, we, we, we look through the foggy window. It's been steamed up by the hot shower, and we can't even see. We look through a glass dimly. We think we know so much, and there's so little that we actually know. And I'm not trying to insult your intelligence. I'm just being very, very truthful with you today. So how do we build our hope? What do we do when we've lost our hope? What do we do when, when it's really hard to, to prop ourselves up like fluffy in front of Mrs. Smith's door. Uh, I want to take you to Habakkuk. And uh, my rabbi used to call it Habakkuk. But I want to take you to Habakkuk this morning. And it's a great story about a great man with questions about life that God doesn't seem to want to answer. But God does tell him a few things. And Habakkuk didn't expect the answers that he would get. So you have in this book the back and forth, honest exchange between a follower of God, Habakkuk, and God himself. And by the time we get to the section we're going to look at today, Habakkuk has come to accept the news that he doesn't especially appreciate. His nation, Judah, which is the one that Jeremiah prophesied to, is full of evil. And instead of things getting better, as had been promised, it's going to get worse. And God tells Habakkuk that he will punish the Babylonians, will eventually take over. And again, that's where we get the 70 years of captivity, Jeremiah 20 and 11. It's good to know that God will set things right in the end. However, Habakkuk never lived long enough to see God do those things. So here's a guy. Here's a guy just like you and just like me. 
He's a guy much like the disciples when Jesus said in John 16, 33, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have what? Yeah. Does anybody know that? Come on. I, you're going to have trouble. And then he says what? Take, take, take heart. Don't lose your heart. Don't let anybody come and rob your joy. Don't let anybody come and rob your hope. Don't lose your heart. Because I've overcome the world. Now, you know who he's saying that to, right? He's saying it to people who have come to enjoy his miracle working and his teaching. These are his disciples. He's about to leave the planet. He's about to walk away from them. They don't understand it all. And he doesn't explain everything to them. Just enough to know, I'm going to die on a cross and rise again from the dead. And I'm going to go somewhere. You can't go now, but John 14, eventually uh, we'll, we'll get together. And I'll, I'll prepare a place for you. And he, he says something like this. Let me paraphrase. Just trust me. And just put your hope in me. Just believe in me. When news comes to you that you really don't like and it threatens your faith, what do you do? When hope gets robbed away from you, what do you do? Well, Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 19, he writes a song. I know all of you just love to sing. It's like your favorite thing to do, right? Um, it is for me. It's a, it's a real relief, and, and I make up songs in the car, and I'm glad none of you are there to hear me. Um, but he says, for the director of music, notice, I'm directing the, the, the conductor, and I'm putting together a band, and it's, it's all stringed instruments. You know, it's harps and lyres and uh, Fender Stratocasters and Martin guitars and pedal steel guitars and dobros, you bluegrass people. And, and I want all the strings to come together and just, just really rock out. This is a song. It's a psalm. It's supposed to be used by God's people in worship. And it's originally written to guide Judah in worship when they wouldn't feel like worshiping, when Babylon would start to invade them, when they would destroy their temple and everything would be torn upside down. He wants them to have a song to sing when you don't feel like singing a song. And he's saying, I want to give you steps now on how to worship when you shouldn't worship. I want to have a song for you to sing to make your life abundant when you don't want to sing a song at all that could deliver you. And so he says, number one, the first part of this song is that we have to cry out to God. So a few weeks ago, I get a phone call. Some lady from the church is very persistent. She wants to talk to me. And I always tell you guys, I'm a lousy counselor. You really don't want to talk to me at all because uh, I just want to cut to the chase. Let's get the problem solved. That's what I want to do. So she wants to tell me about when she was seven. I, I just, I got to tell you, I, I, just confessing, you know, she's 47. I don't want to hear about when she was seven because I got 40 years. You with me? Yeah. Matter of fact, some of you look at me funny. I'll have her call you next time and see how you do. But anyway, uh, she's telling me about the crisis in her life. And I must tell you, I was very compassionate and I was listening to everything she had to say. And, and she's telling me about this, 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 this current crisis in her life. And I asked her this question. By the way, it's a great question to ask people when they tell you about the crisis in their life. Stop them. Don't let them go. Stop them and say, have you talked to God about it yet? No, really. She wanted me to pray for her. She told me that she submitted a prayer slip, communication slip to the church office for our wonderful prayer team to pray. She had yet to pray. 
Pastor, pray for me. She said, but have you prayed? And she stopped. And this was like a little divine moment for her. She had yet to cry out to God about her problem. Listen, folks, number one, number one, when hope starts to diminish in you, when you get news you don't want to hear, when something happens, you have to stop and, and cry out to God. Habakkuk 3.2, he says, Lord, I've heard of your fame, and I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. In other words, you did great stuff historically. I'm crying out to you now to say, do it again. And even in a time of wrath, Lord, would you remember your mercy? I, I love the Message Bible on this. It says, God, I've heard what our ancestors say about you, and I'm stopped in my tracks, down on my knees. Do among us what you did among them. Think about this. Lord, I'm bombarding heaven with my prayer. Do among them what you, what you did among, uh, uh, among us, what you did among them. Work among us as you worked among them, and you bring judgment as surely as you must, but remember your mercy. It's as if Habakkuk is going over these old pictures in a, in a photo album. Um, it, was, it was recently, I, 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 I was with my mom, and, and uh, uh, before that, I was with her on Mother's Day. Um, some of you know the story. She's you know, 92 years old, and um, she's been in the CCC for 11 years now. I can't believe it's that long. And uh, she's in advanced stages of Alzheimer's, and soon the Lord will, will see fit to take her to be with him. And she's been ready to go for five or six years now, and she's just waiting. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's rough. Some of you have been there. You understand. And, um, or some of you have parents that are getting older, and, and they're asking you what their name is, and it's, it's, it's not fun. And I, I went home. And got out a photo album. Boy, it was, it was good. It was, that, you want to talk about therapy? You want to talk about great counseling? Every once in a while, go home and get a photo album out. Or, or go through your computer and find those old pictures. And, and, and I saw a picture of her cooking, and I could smell the spaghetti sauce. Isn't that weird? You know? It wasn't a scratch and sniff picture. It was just, I, it wasn't smell of vision. I could just smell it. You know, she, she ground her own beef from top sirloin, and she made her own sausage, and she grew her own sweet basil and oregano and rosemary and, and made her own pasta. And if you have a jar, oh, no, 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 sweetheart, not at my house. And I started to think about the gift she had been to me rather than the condition she's in now. That's what Habakkuk is doing. That's the song. He's saying, stop focusing on just this. Look at your family. Look at your friends. Look where you live. Look at today's weather. It wasn't even windy a minute ago, and it's still not. Come on. To stop and say, I have hope, and my hope is in the Lord and what he's done. See, remembering in your notes God's faithfulness and asking him to act now as he has in the past. Psalm 130, verse 1 to 8, the psalmist says, Out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. Hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But there is with you forgiveness. Therefore, you are feared. O Israel, put your hope where? In, in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. In other words, where are you hoping today? And if you start losing hope, and, and some of you don't need this message today, you will need it soon. 
Hang on to it. Just, just start by crying out to God. Just tell Him how you feel. But in telling Him how you feel, remind Him that you remember what He's done for you. How He's come through for you. Second thing is we, we, we see what can't be seen. Some of you are coming into brand new seasons in your life. Uh, new things. A baby's on the way. Uh, three weeks of marriage. I mean, some of you are going to get married. Some of you are dealing with physical stuff. Whatever you're dealing with, start seeing things differently. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. If we're not careful, we'll start chasing after things that aren't godly, that aren't biblical, that aren't helpful, that aren't life-giving or life-sustaining. I've talked about the processional caterpillars many times, probably 50 times uh, in my years here, but I remember hearing uh, someone talk about, it was a scientist, share a story about the processional caterpillars that you find predominantly in Africa. And what these caterpillars do is they follow each other. So if you want to be cruel, as the scientists were in this experiment, they took a bunch of caterpillars and put them on the top of a flower pot. And for about 30 days, they followed each other. And one by one, they died from starvation and fell into the flower bowl. Because they just, they just followed each other. All right, enough of that. Woo! And there is a spiritual dizziness that comes when we just follow the same stuff. Don't we call it insanity when we do the same thing over and over and expect different results? And so one day they, 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 they took a ring of these processional caterpillars and they put pine needles in the center of this ring. Pine needles is their favorite food. And for 30 to 40 days, they went around and followed each other around and around and around. And they were six to eight inches away from food. See, we, we, we can go around and around and around and get caught up in what we see and not recognize the presence of God is different than what we see. In verses 3 to 15 of Habakkuk chapter 3, it's called a theophany, which is a fancy word for the appearance of God. And Habakkuk says, God came from Temen, the Holy One from the Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and His praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise, rays flashed from His hand where His power was hidden. Plague went before Him, pestilence followed His steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked, and just by His look, He made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapse. He's going through the photo album of God. And then he says, what's the last line? But he, but he marches on forever. In other words, God, what you're doing today is not anything like you've done in the past, because I can't see it. With my natural eyes, I can't see the things that you did in the past that, that he just spoke about here. But Lord, I'm going to believe and even though I can't see it, you're still marching on forever. You're still at work. 
Habakkuk realizes in our notes that God is present. He didn't just move in the past, but God is present and moves today. On the wall of a concentration camp in Nazi Germany, a, a prisoner had carved in these words. I believe in the sun, even though it does not shine. I believe in love, even when it's not shown. And I believe in God, even when he doesn't speak. Now understand the context. Here is a Jewish man in a concentration camp. He can hear the trains of other Jewish people being brought into the concentration camp like cattle. And yet, on the wall, he inscribes, I believe in a God, even when he doesn't speak. That's a hope that defies what is reality in a sense. It knows that the situation is horrible, and it says, I am going to believe in God. You know when I've seen God? I've seen him in the hospital room. I've seen him in the convalescent center. I've seen him in the mortuary. I know that he's present on the campus. I know that he's present in the courtroom. I've seen him there. He's present when we're alone. He's present when we're lost. He is present in the very places that he seems the most distant. God is still with us. And the third thing is, this is the, probably the most powerful, and this is a hard part of the song. Somebody says, well, Pastor, when are you going to give us something really like, like, like for mature believers? This is it. Get ready now. Just, just brace yourself. Trust in God always. How you doing? No, no, really. I mean, yep, Pastor B, I trust God all the time. Never doubt him. Mm. Habakkuk 3.16 says, I, I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Things aren't good. When decay creeps into your bones and your legs are trembling, things are not good. Yet, you got that word, yet? I would love to pray that God would help us to be people with abundant life that would be yet people. So what kind of person are you? I'm a yet kind of person. A yet? You mean a yets? No, a yet. It's a little different. You mean a yeti? No, a yet. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. I'm going to wait for something that's going to happen that hasn't yet happened. Why? Because God is trustworthy and God is faithful. Habakkuk's situ situation hasn't changed, but Habakkuk's heart has changed. He's not the same kind of guy. He's now trusting in the Lord like never before. See, the greatest power of God is not to change our situation, but to change our heart. And this is my prayer for you. God, change our heart. I can pray all day. God, change Debbie, Lord. Make her more like you. <laughs> God, change my church. Make them more like you, Lord. But see, the best prayer I'll pray is, God, change me. Change my heart, oh God, the old song said. Make it ever true. May I be like you. Change me. Change me. Don't change the congregation, God. Change the pastor. Change me. Some of you are saying, amen, Lord. Amen. Change him, Lord. Change him real quick, Lord. Yeah, I know. And now Habakkuk moves to this part of the song that is just blows my mind. 
One of my favorite passages in all the Bible. Habakkuk 3, 17 and 19. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines. Though the olive crop falls or fails and the fields produce no food at all. Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. What's the next word? Oh, yet. Yet I will rejoice where? In the Lord. Listen, if your job is to grow figs and there's no what? It says there's no bud on the fig tree. See, the bud is the promise that the figs are coming. But there's no promise. There's no buds. And if you have huge trucks that take olives to market so they can be pressed and become EVOO, Some of you watch cooking shows. And you bring your trucks to market and there's no olives. They're going to laugh at you. And if you're a shepherd and the sheep don't make it, or if you're a cattle rancher, we had some cattle ranchers in the first service. They, they raised cattle. They were nodding their heads when I said this. You're a cattle rancher, and, and you go to the top of the ridge on your horse, actually in your truck. <laughs> you look over the horizon at your heads of cattle, and they're not there. In other words, everything's gone. Let, let me take it in your vernacular. You, you go to the bank, and they say, um, your account is zero. You go to the garage, your car's not there. You go to turn on TV and there's no power. You go to get a glass of water, no water out of the faucet. That's what he's saying. You go to the doctor, the news is not good. You go to the accountant, the news is worse. <laughs> you go get your taxes done, you're in bad shape. Come on. You go to work, they give you this slip. I had a friend, 22 years in the same company. Just got told on Friday, he's got one week notice. Thank you for your service. Back, back in my papa's day, they worked the whole life in the same company. Those days aren't like that anymore, are they? 22 years this guy spent in the same company. And some young kid came to tell him, hi, we don't need you here anymore. You got one week. That's rough. So he sends me a text message. His first question was, what do I do? My response, you know what it was, right? Have you cried out to God? <laughs> Not yet. I told everybody on Facebook first. <laughs> I said, oh, that's helpful. Everybody, everybody sent back emojis with sad faces. I said, how are you feeling about that? Well, I don't know. Man. That's all I got. Click, 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 click. Let's cry out to God together. So we cried out to God. I called him and we just cried out on the phone. And he said, so what's your sermon on Sunday? <laughs> Yet I will rejoice. Yet I will rejoice. 
And by the end of the call, he said, if I allow my whole life, this is, this is my friend, if I allow my whole life to be caught up in my job, then I can't serve the Lord. I can't be who God called me to be. Because I'm relying on a contract. I'm relying on income. I'm relying on a government. I'm relying on a... And he goes, i, I got to shift my thinking. And, and rely on, on God. And I know you're going to say, easy, easy for you to say, but that's what Habakkuk says we're supposed to do. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be, the next line, joyful. Are you kidding me? Everything I'm supposed to have, I don't have, Habakkuk 3. There are no figs. There are no sheep. There are no cattle. There's, there's nothing. Yet I will rejoice. Listen, I know this is hard for somebody to grab, but Grab a hold of this, that no matter what happens to you, no matter how the devil tries to steal life out of you, no matter how he tries to take your joy and your hope away, to remember that the sovereign Lord is your strength. And then he goes on to say, he makes my feet like the feet of the deer. He enables me to tread on high places, even though I should be on low places, even though I should be on low ground, I'm going to put myself on high ground because I know who God is. And God is greater than everything I see, I sense, I feel, I know, I understand, or the slip that I'm, I'm given by some young kid who they made in charge of the HR department. Who probably won't be there very long himself, but he doesn't know yet. See, hope believes that when we cannot see the hand of God, we must trust the heart of God. And here's the, here's the lesson. Everything I see says, where's God's hand? Everything I see says God is absent. But we know that he's present. So, so here's what you need to do. Stop looking at the hand of God because he's not doing all the things you want him to do. And always go to his heart. Get the photo album out and say, God, you got me through this in the past. Lord, when, when, I, when I was a single dude and I wanted a wife, you gave me her. Whoa! Start rejoicing. Lord, I live where people come to vacation. I keep meeting people all the time from all over Los Angeles and Fresno and Bakersfield who say, I'm up here to get away from. There are people I meet from Santa Barbara. It's too crowded. We like coming to Lompoc to get away from it all. You're going, what? We go to Santa Barbara. Come on. We, we live in paradise. I preach this all the time. And people go, paradise? Have you been over by this street or that street? Yes. I'll be there tonight with the police. I see stuff you guys don't ever see. See, hope believes that when we cannot see the hand of God, we will trust in the heart of God. I love what he says. There's no figs, there's no sheep, but I will rejoice in the Lord. This is a yet kind of a heart. Hope trusts that God always knows best and that does best in his time. And I can't explain it, but I just want you to shift your thinking a little bit wherever you are today to stop worrying about the future not to be gripped by fear, because fear will rob your joy and rob your hope. Just be able to say, in my soul, 
it is well. I will rejoice no matter what I see. So I'm going to close with the scripture. It's a blessing over your life. And then the prayer team will be available to pray and you'll go enjoy this most amazing day. And if all you want to do today is go home and take a nap, God bless you. Go, go, go enjoy that. Naps are highly overrated. On a day like today. Huh? Where the wind is barely moving now. That's just my hot air causing that to happen. <laughs> Romans 15, 13. I'm going to read it a couple times. God will help you overflow with hope in him through the Holy Spirit's power within you. Let me just hear it. God will help you overflow with hope where? In Him. Through the Holy Spirit's power within you. God will help you overflow with hope in Him through the Holy Spirit's power within you. Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com.